Bibles to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Our text this morning is found in verse number 18. 1 Corinthians 1, verse number 18. The Apostle Paul writing to the church at Corinth says, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. We live in troublesome times and it's so very easy for us to get distracted. And distraction is always dangerous. One of the greatest dangers I think that we face is failing to focus on what's needed most. And it's uh, one thing to preach about things that are interesting. We can all think of subjects that would be of great interest to us. We could also preach on things that might be enjoyable. If the Lord gave His permission, we could just preach about heaven every week. Nothing's more enjoyable than that. We could even preach all of the messages on things that are helpful in some way, because after all, the Bible is the most practical book in all of the world, so we could spend all of our time in Proverbs or maybe the book of James and talk about things that are of practical, everyday value. But it's another thing to preach about what man needs most. And so today, I'm going to make sure that I preach on the most important subject of all, and that is the cross. The title of my message this morning is Why I Preach the Cross. Believe me, there are those who would rather I didn't. I don't think we have any folks like that in the membership at Lakeway Baptist Church, and it might be that you don't have any folks like that uh, uh, where, where you attend church, but make no mistake about it, there are those that do not understand why we would preach about the cross. They call Christianity a slaughterhouse religion. They've gone to great lengths, in fact, even to remove all references to the blood out of, out of the hymn books. They much rather prefer a social gospel. That is a, a message that just applies to the social needs of people, a message that reaches out and uh, helps their fellow man. But when you stop and think about it, what good does it do if we give attention to the medical needs of people and we feed the hungry people and all of that is well and good. We ought not to be against that, but... Man needs a whole lot more than medical treatment or food or clothes on his back. Man needs the Lord Jesus Christ. And so uh, the social gospel is not going to cut it. We can all see where that's got us. Just think about how modernism has taken over in so many churches nowadays. And we look around across America and we have more and bigger churches than ever before. But things just keep getting worse. And of course the Bible says they're going to get even worse than what they are today. So people are missing the message that really, truly makes a difference. And it's not until we consider the cross that we get what we need most. I'm so thankful that 
just before I got saved when a friend of mine invited me to church. I'm so thankful that uh, when, when I got there that I didn't just hear a message about the social gospel. I'm so glad that it was not just something that was uh, of interest to me, but rather it was a message reminding me that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, but that God loved us and that while we were yet sinners that Christ died for us. Thank God for that message. That's the message the world needs and the only message that will meet our deepest need. Now, I shouldn't have to even explain why I preached the cross, but of course, because there's so much confusion about it, well, um, you, you just ha- you're forced to give an answer. I think two things. First of all, number one, it's not for me to decide. It's not for me to decide. I could just get up here every week and preach some message, some message of truth from some part of God's word. But if it's not the message that God wants, why? It wouldn't be acceptable in his sight. So it's not for me to choose what I preach. Secondly, you don't get a vote. It's not for you to decide what I preach, and you would be amazed. You'd be amazed that uh, the number of preachers that preach that which is expected from them by the congregation. But the congregation shouldn't have anything to do with it. It's the Lord that decides what's important and what's not. Why I preach the cross. Now, just about every religion has some symbol that they use. We think about Judaism, and it's a star of David. In Islam, it's the crescent and the star. In Buddhism, it's the lotus flower, I think. And and you could go on and on. But when it comes to the to Christianity, it's the cross. And when you stop and think about what the cross represents, that's at first thought almost shocking because it's associated with cruel suffering. And that seems strange to people that are not familiar with the Bible, but God's Word clears up all of the confusion. So let me give you six reasons why I preach the cross, and by the grace of God, I intend to do so until the day I die. Number one, I preach the cross because of the assignment that's stated in God's Word. Notice in verse number 17 of this chapter, Paul said, For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Well, that ought to be an eye-opener for a lot of folks, that baptism is not a part of the gospel. He says, Not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. Then look at verse 2 of chapter 2. He said, I think because of what he just said, I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Now, there's a lot more that could be said about this, but this is all of the reason that I need and the only reason that any preacher ought to need as to why we preach the cross of Christ is because that's the message that we have been assigned by the Lord. 
The Bible tells us we're to preach the whole counsel of God, but we have to keep the cross at the very heart and the very center of all of our preaching. That's exactly where it's placed in the Scripture. You go all the way back to the book of Genesis and follow all the way through to the final book of the Bible, the book of Revelation, and you see again and again and again that there is a scarlet thread that runs throughout the entire Bible. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. So we need not wonder what is most important to God. He's very clear about that. And no man is faithful to his calling if he is neglecting the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's majoring on minors. The assignment that has been stated in the Word of God, the very fact that God has called us to preach the cross is all the reason we need. But there are other reasons. Secondly, I preach the cross because of the awfulness of sin. In this same letter, in chapter number 6, Paul says to the folks there, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. And then he moves on to mention several different, several different sins. And he said, And such were some of you. That is, before the gospel was preached, before you received Christ as your Savior, this was your lifestyle, but God has changed all of that. And to see the awful effects of sin, all we have to do, folks, is just look around. We see them everywhere. Sin is the most awful problem on earth. All of the sickness, all of the suffering, all of the sorrow, all of those things can be attributed in some way to the fact that we are sinners. But as bad as that is, for the sinner, the worst is yet to come. It'd be one thing if we just eat, drink, and spend our life being merry, and then die like a dog, and go back to the dust, and lapsed into a state of eternal unconsciousness, that'd be one thing, but the Bible declares that there is a judgment to come. And oh, to think about the sinner going out into eternity to face the wrath of Almighty God, it doesn't get any worse than that. So looking at this sad situation we have to concur that something surely must be done. There are those, no doubt, even those that do not profess Christ as their Savior, seeing the condition of the world, realize that something is terribly wrong in the world, and we need to try to do something to, to fix the problem. And yet, in spite of all of the effort, man is powerless to prevail over the problem. And if you search the whole world over, you still cannot find the solution. The answer isn't found in religion. A lot of folks have the idea, if I just get religion of some sort, that'll be all that I need. And as long as I'm sincere in what I believe, that'll be good enough for God. But religion doesn't, doesn't solve the problem of sin. Neither does science. 
All the most brilliant minds of those in science have never been able to come up with a cure for sin. Nor the field of medicine can remove the problems that are created by sin. Education can't do it. And even morality on a personal level could not do it. And if we legislated laws insisting that people live according to the standards of morality prescribed in the Bible, even if we did that, it would still not be good enough. We can lock a person up in prison for violating the the standards of man, but that doesn't change the nature of the man that is in prison. He is still a sinner in his heart. And so thankfully upon this sad scene, God looking down from heaven and He sees the plight of sinful man and God has something to say about it. And He spoke loud and clear at Calvary. Galatians 3 and verse number 13 says, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. He said in Second Corinthians 5, verse 21, For he hath made him, that is Christ, he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Think about that. He made him. The only perfect man who has ever lived, God incarnate in the flesh, He made Him to be sin. Although He never sinned, all of the sins of the world were placed upon Him at Calvary. He did so that we might be made the righteousness of God. You see, by nature we have no righteousness Our righteousnesses are as filthy rags, the Bible declares. But thank God the Lord provided what we need in the person of Christ. Christ crucified. And through His crucifixion, we find the solution to our problem. That's why I preach the cross. It's the assignment that has been stated because of the awfulness of sin, but There are more reasons than that. It's also because of the atonement that it secures. Paul says here in verse 18, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it. That is the preaching of the cross. It is the power of God. Verse 21 For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God, pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Verse 30, but of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. In these verses and many others, we see that the only cure for the curse of sin is the cross. It is the sole solution for man's sin. It's the remedy for our rottenness. It's it, and it alone can supply our deepest needs. 
Only the cross of Christ can spare us from an eternal hell. Only the cross of Christ can secure for us a place in heaven. And were it not for the cross, man would have no hope. It's the cross where we see Jesus, the Lamb of God, presenting Himself as the perfect sacrifice, the only sacrifice that can atone for sin. And in Him, Paul says, is redemption. What a terrible injustice it is for a preacher to fail to deliver this message that is man's only hope. That's what prompted Paul to say in chapter 9 and verse 16, Woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. Keep in mind, Paul is writing to Christian people here. This letter is sent to a Christian church. And it reminds us that we never outgrow our need of hearing about the cross. The gospel is good news. It's good news before you get saved. It's good news after you get saved. It'll be good news when you're in glory and rejoice over what the Lord has done for you. Because of the atonement that it secures, we must preach the cross because it's the only message that will secure salvation for sinful man. But there's another reason. I preach the cross because of the amazing grace that it, that it shows. Notice how Paul began this letter all the way back to chapter 1 and verse number 3. He says, Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 4, I thank my God always on your behalf for the grace of God which is given you by Jesus Christ. Think about all of the different ways in which God's goodness is displayed. The Bible tells us that He sends the sunshine and the rain upon the just and the unjust alike, upon those that are thankful and those that are unthankful. And God is good all of the time and good to everyone. We see evidences of God's goodness all around it. It might be in the warmth of a mother's love, something that she just has by, by nature that God has put in her heart. We might see it in the care provided by a loving father for his family. We might see it in numerous ways, but most of all we see the grace of God when we look at the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's there we see God giving His own dear Son, that is, heaven's very best, as a sacrifice for our sin. And there's nothing in all of the world that reveals the love of God more so than the cross. That's why, as the song says, that God's love is written in red. That red is the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ shed on the cross. Grace is us receiving what we need rather than what we deserve. Reminds me of the story D.L. Moody told many, many years ago. And there was this Sunday school teacher who took a great interest in, uh, in the Sunday school class. And there was this one particular little boy that he become attached to and 
And all of a sudden, he, he began to notice that the little boy was missing Sunday school. And finally, the man, out of deep concern, went to, uh, went to the boy's house. And uh, he uh, knocked on the door and asked his mother if, if little Jimmy was there. And Jimmy came to the door, and, uh, and he, to he told him, he said, uh, I've been missing you in Sunday school. And Jimmy explained, well... You know, it had been his birthday, and he had uh, been occupied with that. And so the preacher, and the little boy explained, he'd been fishing. He still had the fishing pole in his hand, in fact, when he came to the door. And uh, he got that for his birthday. And, and so the Sunday school teacher thought, this would be a great time for me to explain to this little boy what grace is. And he began to explain how that, Grace is God giving us what we really need, not something that we deserve. And he went to great length trying to make it clear. And after a while, wondering if the little boy had got the message. And uh, he said a little, to little Jimmy, he said, Now, do you know what grace is? And he said, I sure do. It's a new fishing pole. It, now, you know, grace for you might be a new fishing pole and getting something that you didn't deserve he had been negligent in his church attendance. He come to realize that he didn't deserve what he got. And that's the way it is with all of us when we think about all that God does for us purely through His grace. We get what we need, not what we deserve, because we all deserve to suffer in the devil's hell for all of eternity. And yet Jesus stepped in as our substitute, and he died in our stead. What amazing grace. How could I not preach the cross when we see there the grace of God that brings salvation? Not only that, I preach the cross because of the assurance that it sins. Somebody has described Romans chapter 8 as the greatest chapter in all of the Bible. Now, I, I can't say that I know that that is true, but I know that it indeed is a glorious chapter. Not only the part that talks about God, you know, working all things for our good, that's Wonderful, but also the fact that God in this chapter is giving us assurance of our salvation. We come down toward the end of the chapter and Paul says, For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I said a while ago that religion does not have the answer for man's deepest needs. Religion has never had the answer. Religion has confused more people than anything on the face of the earth. Religion is a deadly enemy to the cause of Christ. It's left the masses in a state of uncertainty. And that's why he said the preaching of the cross to the Greeks. He said it's foolishness. They think we're some kind of religious fanatics. He said it's a stumbling block to the Jews. It's something they just couldn't 
wrap their head around how that a good man would die for the worst of men. Thank God the Bible removes all of the clouds of confusion when it shows us that God's acceptance is based on what He does and not what we do. Religion is all about what we do trying to make ourselves acceptable. But salvation is based entirely upon what the Lord has done for us on the cross. And here in Romans chapter 8, He is assuring us that we have a, a personal relationship with God, a precious relationship with God, and He tells us it is a permanent relationship with God, that there's absolutely nothing that can separate us from the love of God. As imperfect, as unworthy as we are, we are assured that we cannot be separated from our God. You, you see, if we didn't do anything to get it, we can't do anything to lose it. The Bible says we are kept by the power of God. And if you could lose your salvation, you've already lost it. Because there's not one person on this earth that can say, since the day that I trusted Christ as my Savior, that I have not sinned in some way. And to offend in one point, as James says, is to be guilty of all. No, we didn't do anything to gain salvation. We can't do anything to lose salvation. When God is our Father, we can be assured that we have an eternal relationship with Him. That nothing, nothing can separate us from His love. That's why I keep preaching the cross. Because you can't find a promise like that anywhere in all of the world. Then I preach the cross because of the answers that it supplies. We live in a world that is corrupt, a world that is cruel, a world that is confused and in great need of answers. Why are we like we are? Why do we do the things that we do? Is there any hope for a permanent change? Is there any hope for life after the grave? Is there a loving God? Can God really save sinful man? And the questions go on and on. But it's when we look at the cross that we find God providing the answer to all of those things. That being the case, how in the world could anyone experience something so glorious as God's grace and then not tell others about it? The experience of salvation ought to excite us to the point that we feel compelled to tell others about it. And if we don't, by the way, their blood is on our hands. Preaching the cross is not just my duty. It's not just a responsibility. It is my very delight to be able to preach a message that contains the answer to all of man's questions. And in light of all of that... I guess the question would be, why wouldn't I preach the cross? The preaching of the cross is necessary for the, for the penalty of our sin. 
There's nothing else in all of the world that can pay that debt except the sacrifice that Christ made on the cross. It's necessary because of the power of sin. Sin rules over us. It has conquered us. It is destroying us. And yet it's only, only what Christ provides on the cross that enables us to have power over sin. And purity from sin. Thank God for the delivering power of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the only thing that can provide perfection in the life to come. Think about that for a moment. To think about that here on earth that we are in, in, in these fleshly bodies with the vestiges of an old nature that still is prone to, to sin. Prone to rebel against God. And every day, as Paul says in Romans 7, every day we go through this struggle of trying to resist the wrong and to do what is right. We are inflicted with various diseases and difficulties. But thank God because of the cross we can look forward to a day where there will be no more suffering, no more sorrow, no sickness, no pain. And God will wipe away all of the tears from our eyes. That's all because of the cross. That's why we must preach the cross. There's the peace that it supplies. Isn't it wonderful to have that Peace that passeth all understanding because you know that you're not depending upon yourself. You're not depending upon somebody else. You're depending upon, upon the Lord Jesus Christ. It's no wonder that Paul said, but God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified, that is dead unto me and I unto the world. Oh, if we could just think about all of those grand old hymns that speak about the cross. Lisa sang about the cross this morning. And we often sing those hymns that remind us of the sacrifice that Christ made. And yet, if we could in some way combine all of the glorious truths of each one of those hymns, we'd have to say, the half has not yet been told. Nothing has ever spoken so loudly, so clearly as that old rugged cross upon which the Prince of Glory died. To that I can only say, what more can he say than to you he hath said, to you who for refuge to Jesus have fled. The salvation that God has provided is so serious that God made it simple. Most of the time we think about serious issues as being something that is very complex, something very difficult to understand, those naughty questions that we just can't unravel ourselves. God knew that we would deal with issues like that. And so it's as though God said, look, I'm going to make this very simple. I'm going to make it so simple that even a child can understand it. And for all that could be said about it, the cross sums it all up. 
When we use the word cross, we could say that it is sort of a shorthand for the whole of that which Christ died for. It's just putting into a word all that Christ did for us when He gave Himself as a sacrifice. The cross reveals, as I said earlier, it reveals the love of God. It reveals the depth of His concern for sinful man. But it doesn't just reveal, it also reconciles us to God. You know, it's one thing for us to to say, well, we've been redeemed. That's glorious in itself. To think that we have accepted the payment that Christ made for our sins and we've been forgiven of all of those sins. But wouldn't it be a horrible thing if God said, now look, I forgive you, but I'm going to hold you at arm's length for all of eternity. I'll spare you from hell, but I'm going to hold you at arm's length. But God did much more than that. Paul said in the book of Ephesians, He hath made us accepted in the Beloved. In other words, we are redeemed, we're reconciled to God. Those who were once enemies of God now become the children of God. He rescues us from the ravages of sin, regenerates us by the power of the Spirit, reforms us, enabling us to live according to the standards that are in our best interest. So many times we look through the Bible and we see all of these commandments says, Thou shalt not do this and thou shalt not do that. And, you know, our old nature tends to resent that kind of restriction in our life. We think, you know, that we in some way deserve to be able to do whatever we want to do and we don't understand that it's out of love that God has stipulated these measures for our own good, our own safety. And yet we're never, never able to live up to that standard. That's why the preaching of the law is essential to the preaching of the cross because we must be mindful that we are sinners in the sight of God. And then we look at the cross and we see that in spite of that, that God has made provision for us to be saved. My heart was thrilled last week. Sometime after the service, I received a a text or an email from from one of the members, and they had evidently invited someone who is not a Christian to watch the broadcast, and afterwards they had expressed a real interest in the message. Just knowing that there are folks out there that have never received Christ as their Savior, that do not have the assurance that they've been forgiven. They do not have the peace of knowing that if they died today, that they'd go to heaven to be with the Lord. How sad it is to think about folks in that condition, but yet how wonderful it is to know that by the preaching of the cross, we can show them that the way of the cross leads home and that they could be saved even even right here today, regardless of where they are, regardless of what they've done. Yes, 
It's a serious subject, but it's so simple that as the Lord proves to us, so simple that a child can understand it because all it requires is our faith. It's by grace that we're saved through faith. Just simply believing, simply trusting in the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And every one of you here today that are Christians, every Christian listening today, that have experienced the wonders of God's grace by receiving Christ, please understand that there is a waiting world out there that doesn't have what you have. And they need to hear the same message and you don't need to be a pastor in order, to, in order to proclaim the cross of Christ. It is the responsibility of each and every one of us to share that good news with the whole world. God help us to leave here today and to go out into the world and to preach the gospel to every creature. And if you've never received Christ as your Savior, please understand that just by simply trusting Him, and you can express that faith by way of, as Paul says, calling upon the name of the Lord. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. God will not turn a deaf ear to the sincere cry of a sinner who's willing to trust His Son as their Savior. I pray that it might be so with you today. God bless you. Let us pray. Father in heaven, how we thank you for the great sacrifice that you made on our behalf to think that you loved us so much that you gave your only dear son to die on that cruel cross who suffered the, the horrors of hell in our stead, that suffered the penalty of our sin, that paid for all of our sins when we could in no wise make payment for them. How thankful we are to know that, that we've been saved and to have that assurance in our heart that nothing shall ever separate us from your love. And I just pray today that you might help us to tell others of the saving grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And for those that haven't received Christ, I pray that the Holy Spirit would bring conviction to their heart and Lord, that you just help them to overcome their foolish pride. Help them to resist the urging of the devil that would have them to wait and to, until some other time. May they, even this very day, wherever they are right now, put their trust in him. And know him as their personal Lord and Savior. But we ask it all in Jesus' dear name. Amen.